Hello and welcome to the Technical Foul Podcast. My name is Varun Shankar. This week I've got the second half of the Sean Conway interview to show you guys. If you haven't listened to the first part, just go back into the feed. It's right there in the podcast feed. But if you have, you're going to love this episode because it's a lot of the same things you saw last time. Here it is. What kind of work do you put in? What's an average day for you? Um, I'd, I'd probably just start this out with like a like a typical day at the beginning of my week. But um, I'll for a day that I have a double, uh, my day a use, double meaning a double workout. Yes, a double okay. workout. Um, I'll start my day around three forty-five a.m. Yes, and um, I'll eat breakfast, kind of sleepily get my way through the house, just try and get ready, pack my bag. And um, my parents aren't too comfortable with me driving those mornings. Uh-huh. Probably afraid that I'd not make the uh, hour commute. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so my mom will drive me in the mornings, gives me an opportunity to take a nap on the way there, mm-hmm. which I'm eternally grateful for. That extra sleep is a godsend. But um, and so I start uh, the day with an hour and a half practice from 4:45 to 6:15. Where? Uh, at the Freedom Center. So this is in. This would be like right near the uh, George Mason Science Campus, mm-hmm. so like out out Warrington, Minnesota. So it's like an hour away. Yes. All right. Um, so I'll start the day with that. I'll take a shower at the gym, get ready for school, and I'll go directly from the pool to school. Um, I'll spend my you know seven seven and a half hour day at school. Um, I'm fortunate enough to get early release. That's been mm-hmm. probably the hugest. You know, Okay, <laughs> English today. Um, probably one of the largest, biggest help, hmm. biggest, <laughs> biggest helps <laughs> for me uh, through throughout this process. And um, so I'll get out of school around two thirty, um, and I'll make the drive back to a different pool. And this time in Manassas. Um, Any reason that it's a different pool? We don't. Um, so our main pool, which is the pool that we go to in the afternoons, is semi outdoors. It's kind of like a tent over a 25 yard pool it's actually located on this retired air force base so it's kind of have it kind of has cool history because mm. it was made in 1945 mm-hmm. but the problem is that it gets really cold in the mornings because right, outdoor temperatures so there's been times in the winter even in the afternoon we'll be running on the pool deck and our feet will stick to the ground like you know we're uh you lick a pole in the winter and it'll kind of stick that kind of idea wow. and it, it just it gets it gets really cold on deck so like during winter do you guys just is there any times where you've just decided to use freedom center both times yeah um we've actually been in a kind of a stretch where the pool heater broke at our pool and it got down to 60 degrees which is not safe so we ended up going to freedom center for three weeks in a row and that kind of changed up our schedule but it wasn't anything too bad mm-hmm. But uh, back to Vent Hill, which is the main pool that we train at. The Air Force. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so when you say we, it's you and your coach, Jeremy, right? Yes, my coach, okay. Jeremy, and then um, the team that I'm part of. So I'm part of Nation's Capital Swim Club. And uh, the thing with uh, the thing with Nation's Capital Swim Club is I'm part of a site specifically. There's 13 sites located all around the metro DMV area. Um, that includes Maryland, um, Upper Maryland, D.C., um, anywhere from there all the way down to like mid Virginia. Okay. So we have a bunch of sites spread out, and I'm part of this uh, site called NCAP West. Mm-hmm. Um, my team specifically includes a subset of that site called Gold One, 
and that's just kind of our highest group that's where like a lot of the swimmers the college level the people that are planning uh -huh. on swimming in college of course that's where they all kind of concentrate so i'll be there with my team and of course my coach and sometimes his dog because he likes to bring his dog to practice it's a it's a funny thing but uh so we'll all get there in the afternoon practices are from 3 to 6 30 so it's a three and a half hour practice um, that usually consists of an hour of stretching out core an hour of stretching well a lot it's more like um, a mixture of things because uh, it can range from anything from weights to yoga okay to so it's, it's workout more than just stretching yeah okay but we do spend a decent amount of it just getting the uh, flexibility stuff just kind of mixed in there mm -hmm. so we don't get injured during our uh, practice. So like 30, 30 minutes to an hour of just working out slash stretching slash doing whatever. And then we hop in the pool for two and a half hours and we finish out our workout then. Um, typically in that workday um, with the combined swimming we will total anywhere from 10,000 to 14,000 yards. Um, to put that in perspective, I think that's six miles to six, six to seven and a half miles in that day. Um, and that's just for the afternoon session. Oh, uh, no, that's for that's both that's both. Okay, that's both combined. Okay. Yeah. So on a single workout day, it kind of goes a little bit differently because I'll actually drive to in the mornings. I get to wake up two, three, two or three hours later. So I'll get up at six. That's still insanely <laughs> early. Like, you make that sound like you're waking up at, like, 10. I don't get up at 6, even for, like, the days that I wake up early. Yeah, it it never gets easier. That's it, it, a, it's I, a funny thing. I can't imagine. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a good time anyways. And, like, I've kind of convinced myself at this point. It's, it was more of a fake it till you make it mentality. But, like, man, getting up in the morning is good for you. I swear. <laughs> getting up in the morning is good for you. So I just kind of reiterate that to myself. And, uh, you know, it gets me through the day good enough. But, uh... So on the days I get up at six, I'll drive over to Brambleton, uh, the One Life Fitness down there, mm -hmm. and I'll work with a trainer named Reese Scully. And uh, I've been working with him for eight years. He has done wonders from like a strength conditioning. Because when I, when I, when I came to him in the beginning, I was just starting my swimming. I was about thirteen years old. Oh yeah, I've got stories from Reese coming up. Oh boy, we've got we got stories. Don't worry. Yeah. So you know, short, slightly tubby, not <laughs> athletic at all. Um, didn't really know what to do with myself and uh, he's really just helped me from an outside of the swimming standpoint to develop my athleticism and just I mean coordination I'm pretty sure that I would be tripping over my feet every five seconds if I actually didn't do like any semblance of uh, agility training with him mm -hmm. so I have a lot to give and in, uh, in semblance of thanks to him because uh, he's really brought me a long way in uh, dry land training weights and uh, the next step with him is uh, preparing me for what the weightlifting is going to be at UVA. Because mm -hmm. one thing we focused on is kind of keeping that potential for weightlifting and bulking up. We're going to save that for college. So a lot Any of the reason? stuff I do, it gives you a lot more of a potential to improve. Because when you add ah. weights, it skyrockets. Like it's an immediate improvement for a, a majority of swimmers. So then why not try to get that improvement now and wait? Why, why are you like keeping a... I wouldn't necessarily say it's a hard limit. Uh, we do include free weights and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but we never max out. Like okay. we, we save that kind of stuff for later because it just gives you like if you like it's just kind of the mentality like hey if you can get this fast right now, 
when you're still that young. Mm -hmm. Imagine what you can do when you're older and you have the potential to get stronger okay. rather than getting stronger right, currently okay. and then hitting that limit. So it's just kind of like involving that mentality because like when you have a lot more potential when you're older, especially that 18 to 22 range, which is typically peak for uh -huh. uh, guy swimmers, like lifting during that time, it's just a timing thing and it just spikes, uh, it just spikes performance. So it's not unique to you. Every swimmer does it this way. Yeah, mo most. Um, I do know a couple of people that kind of fast forwarded that mm -hmm. uh, part, but I mean, I don't think it's necessarily impacted them in a negative way. It just kind of meant that they had a little bit of a jump start on their lifting careers. But uh, I'll spend the summer acclimating with uh, Coach Reese over in uh, One Life Fitness, and uh, that'll be the next step into going into college. But uh, back to uh, my schedule. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll train with an hour and a half with him in the mornings. Um, that can kind of the same idea, take a shower, go to school. And then after school, uh, same afternoon practice, three to six 30. Um, these days we actually are in the pool for the better part of three hours because we're compressing that, uh, swim time from, you know, two practices to one practice. Right. So we'll get anywhere from eight to 10,000 yards in a practice like that. And so that can range anywhere from like, you know, intensity, aerobic or stuff like that. What's it like being a part of a team? It's got to be like, I've always been interested by this because swimming is so unique because it's such an individual sport, right? but it's done in a team format a lot of the time. Yeah. So the cool thing I, I always really thought that was unique about swimming as well is, I mean, you, if you look at it in the surface, it's all about times. Like it's such an individual sport. It's cutthroat. It's definite. You have an ac you have a definite accurate way of measuring somebody's performance because it, it's not, it doesn't come down to like other oh, performance over a season. Like, Oh, like they're, pass yardage or anything it's like that in the football that it's just one race it's the best race and that can get a lot of uh, that can get in a lot of people's heads just because of you know how singular the opportunities are but the cool thing about I, I just really think about swimming and especially swimming in my current stage and of course on to college is that for a individual sport they put a lot of emphasis on the team I mean the whole idea is that when we train together, we celebrate, we have, we receive a lot of pain, <laughs> we suffer, we train, we develop, and we just kind of rise together. And I, I don't think that progress really comes as an individual anymore because I feel like from what, um, just kind of a problem my coach told me is that, you know, the only way to really bring yourself up is to bring others up with you. And I've really stuck to that in heart as of course a captain and a swimmer alike i mean it's just a matter of like when you see your teammates doing great in their own respective races it gives you so much more of an incentive to be able to out to outperform yourself and i mean that kind of linked mentality like we're going through the same practice together we're suffering together on a daily basis we're all going through that it's such a relief and you can take solace in the fact that you have people there with you. I think that if I were to do this and go through this alone, I would have gone insane by now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way that I would be able to maintain the schedule, maintain the work. I mean, just knowing that there's people that are out there doing it with you and being able to make that bond with those people just kind of makes swimming swimming and uh, yeah. I hear a lot about how much swimmers eat. Like, I, I, I don't remember where I read this, but it's something like 4,500 to 5,000 calories a day. Yeah. <laughs> Take me through an that. average day of meeting. Eating. Um, so, 
It varies. Um, it can go, it typically depends on the workload for that day. Um, so, so on a double uh, workout day. Okay, it's double workout day. I mean, even on a single workout day, it's pretty much the same. But uh, Monday through Saturday are my that's the peak intensity workouts. So uh, what we'll typically eat? I'll start on the morning with a pre workout snack that may be something like pop tart or a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Um, just a small snack to hold me over for practice because I know if I eat too much, I'll get sick and not the best thing to do during practice. Do you worry about like sugar content or anything or is it just like whatever? Um, honestly, at that point it's whatever, you know, you want to be able to know that you're kind of getting a little bit of carbs in there because mm -hmm. that's what's going to sustain you. Um, a little bit of carbs, a little bit of protein. Peanut butter is like one of the swimmers best friends. Peanut butter bagel is like the invention mm -hmm. of a lifetime when it comes to snack for us. But, uh, like a little bit of carbs, um, sugar's not too high on the list because we just burn it off as any, like so it, just it doesn't as really matter. Else. Yeah, we're we're not eating like candy or anything. Right. Like that, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And uh, so that just a little bit of attention to that. Um, after practice, we're um, as swimmers, we're usually starving. Um, that's probably the worst time of the day actually because you just get out of practice. The only thing you can think about is food. Um, that for but for me specifically that um, involves a very protein heavy um, with a supplement of carbs but a very protein heavy breakfast um, a lot of sand well a lot of it is based around sandwiches because you know of course they're easy to pack and I'm eating on the road a lot but uh, I'll eat anything where from three to five eggs I'd say in the morning wow. just to get my protein intake that'll be supplemented by a protein shake um, um, just some kind of uh, meat, I guess, some kind of protein, so either bacon or turkey sausage. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like bread. I'll take like toast or pancakes. So it's a full meal. Fancy. Yeah, it's a full meal. Um, so that's before you, that's between practice and school. So you've showered yeah. and you're just, are you back home or where are you? Um, I'm on the road and my mom's driving me back to school. Okay, so <laughs> she's got it with her. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually kind of funny. I have this little lunchbox that has a hot plate in it. Oh, so that's pretty cool. you plug it in you can heat it up. It's, it's really saved my butt a couple of times. But uh, so I eat breakfast. That'll typically range anywhere from like, you know, the 1,500, uh, 1,000, 1,500 calorie range. Um, it's a pretty large meal of my day. Um, I'll pack my lunchbox for school. Um, that's just a lot of snacks and then of course like a main meal um, a lot of lean meat during that midday uh, turkey uh, chicken breast um, a lot of rice I'm my mom is very I'm very fortunate to have my mom be able to cook for mm -hmm. me during those days because it's a lot of chicken and rice um, it's great it's sustainable and it really helps me going into practice so I'll eat that and uh, just a couple of snacks throughout the day fruits nuts um, like trail mix is a big part of my day. And uh, after that, I'll get out from school and I'll have another pre-practice snack. Uh, typically it's like the same thing as in the morning. And if not that, probably just like a banana mm -hmm. or another Just fruit. something to get some type of energy. Right, just to hold me over. So I'll go through my three hour practice. Um, a big thing that we do is we take our, like a snack, like a protein bar, a cliff bar. We'll take that into practice because three hours is a pretty long time. So my coach actually allows us to get out if we need to, you know, take a quick snack break, hop back in and be ready to go. And then after that, I'll eat my dinner, which is another protein heavy meal with, a, of course, carbs supplemented. Um, depending on the day, it can be anything from like salmon. I try to get fish in my diet at least two times a week because of just the, the nutritional benefits. It's a great lean meat, of course. 
Um, salmon is probably one of my favorites. Um, I have I, I limit my red meat intake. Um, I don't have too much red. I, I eat a decent amount, but mm-hmm. like it's not like a dominant part of my courses uh, meal course. But uh, so a lot of lean meats, um, fish, rice or bread, or for that matter. Um, but the uh, kind of problem with how my schedule's set up is we do eat out a lot. But uh, what we try to do is we just try to find the healthiest alternatives. So a lot of chicken and rice bowls. Um, Cava is probably one of my favorite places. Great place. Yeah. I love it. And um, either that or like barbecue because you can get a lot of good smoked uh-huh. meats from there as well. And uh, so my total calorie intake for the day, I'd say, would average out to 4,500 to 5,000 calories. Um, I do eat a lot, but I try to segment it out through the day. So those snacks are also pretty heavy in calories as well. Who chooses, I mean, who helped you decide what this is going to be? Was this something you did with Reese Gully, or is this something you've just got from online, or how does that work? Um, I'd say it's a big blend of both. Um, I'd say, I mean, Reese was kind of the guy who gave me pointers on, like, what lean meats to get, like, eat fish two times a day. He was a lot, uh, he had a lot of influence on the pointer aspect of it, like, just the kind of strategies. Um... My coach also kind of weighs in on that too, um, just kind of from a calorie intake standpoint, just how I'm feeling. Because of course, during those practices, he can see how I'm performing. So if we figure out that something's not really working, we'll switch it out. So the current plan I have right now is kind of a culmination of all of that and just time and experience and just figuring out what works and what doesn't. And of course, my mom, she's always researching that stuff mm-hmm. and she's really helped out in that process as well. Because. Uh, She's able to pull that stuff down. And then she was like, hey, do you want to try this? And I'll be like, yes or no. And then if I say yes, we'll see how it works out. And then it kind of goes to that whole thing where my coach evaluates it and see if it passes. But yeah. In practice, how much of your technique are you altering? Because you've obviously got it to a certain level Mm -hmm. where your times are good. So is it more just a repeatability thing or? Um, It depends. I mean, at this point... I wouldn't necessarily say my technique is great. Um, I actually, even in retrospect, like my technique, I, I can't really say that like the technique aspect has been a strong suit of mine because of course the feel of the water is something that like I've been fortunate enough to have. But from a technical standpoint, there's always certain things and small, it's gotten to the point now where it's just small tweaks. But before I had gaping like problems that like, why why is he going those times with such problems in his stroke like that bad so you you were kind of defying the odds in a way um i bit bit dramatic but like yeah even with those technical issues you were able to get the times you were getting right and i think from that standpoint that from when i was younger i was just kind of me muscling through the sets and muscling through the races which probably wasn't the best thing i Mm -hmm. mean bad technique can lead to terrible habits injuries right um tendonitis is a very common thing in swimmers because you're overcompensating exactly and um just a lot of tendonitis a lot of muscle problems rotational cuff problems and i was fortunate enough to avoid all of that especially in my developmental years so that kind of stuff kind of tuned out through years of lessons years of um just going back and forth with coaches and just being able to tune that kind of thing um and just really get in my head like what to work on what to learn and um, with now with my coach, those small tweaks are the things that we work on. And a lot of it is actually just kind of discipline things. So like being able to hold like what underwaters I was talking about, like being able to hold those for longer is a big part of my backstroke. Like, oh, like 
why aren't you, like, if you, sh if you want to work on that, like, do five kicks off every wall. So mm -hmm. you have, like, a definite goal that you go walk in with practice, and then you try and practice that. And each time you miss, you just kind of put a tally in your head, like, when you mess that up. And each time, it just gets better and better. And when you hit that goal, you just kind of, you know, you either bump it up or you move on to something else. So it's a conscious effort that you've got to be thinking. So you've got to focus to change something. It's, it yeah. doesn't just happen naturally. No, it's, uh, I mean, as I like to think of myself as somebody who tries, like, puts in a conscious effort to really work on those things and keep those in my mind as I swim. But, uh, I mean, like, if I think about it like this, I mean, I swim... If I swim, you know, 10,000 yards in a practice and each lap is, um, each length, I, I know there's a lap length debate, but uh, each length is a uh, is 25 yards. And if I'm able to do, if I want to work on my flip turns and I do one flip turn and at each 25, um, I think the math comes out to that is 400 laps. No. Is it? Yeah, 400 laps. And it, that means that you have 400 opportunities to work on your turns to practice. Mm -hmm. If you're making a conscious effort on every single one of those, and even if you do miss a couple, like, that's fine. But, like, if you're making a conscious effort, the repetition adds up. And then it will become, become second nature. So it requires the conscious effort to be able to go through that for a couple of practices. And then it kind of starts becoming part of your stroke. And uh, that's just kind of how technique works in... I mean, I never try and work on too many things at one time because then you just get overwhelmed and you, you work on nothing, right? So it's always the small things that kind of come into play every practice. So, yeah. When did you start swimming? Um, I started swimming when I was nine years old, competitively. I started in a summer team called Franklin Park. Mm -hmm. It was It's about five minutes from my house. And there, the first time I really got into that whole idea of competitive swimming um, actually it kind of arose from a situation where I was originally intending to go into uh, hockey and I had a life-threatening ear infection that put me in a hospital oh, for wow. two months and so this was about in second grade so around that age group and uh, life-threatening <laughs> yeah it uh, caused blood clots in my head that um, and it would have evolved to meningitis it was a very timing thing and I'm very grateful that they caught it in time because uh -huh. they it, it's it's a long story about like kind of how it formed and everything like that but it, it was life-threatening and it was um it was it did put me in the hospital for and homebound actually for over three months mm -hmm. so because of that you decided not to go into hockey yeah I I wasn't really given the green light to go into contact sports after that okay um so that kind of put a hard limit on what I was able to go into um, and I was at that point, I was interested in swimming. I wanted to try it out. Most of my friends were doing summer team. So I gave the trial to try, you know, drank about five gallons of water unintentionally because I just didn't know my way around, uh, just know my way around the pool. But with each practice, I started loving it more and more. And it just kind of evolved into the passion it is today. Wow. So it was almost accidental that you got yeah. into swimming. Yeah. I always think back on that. I was just like... Even though that was such a, almost, people think that was such a tragic part of my life. I mean, it really set the stage mm -hmm. for what things are today, and I wouldn't be the same person I was without it. So, yeah. So, when you were nine years old and you're racing there, were you winning meets or were, were you struggling? I was struggling um, to begin with. I mean, there was obviously like you know I like started getting a feel for the water, but of course. What do you, what do you, you said that two times now? What do you mean right. by getting a feel for the water? Um, a feel for the water, I, I think, kind of comes 
it, it's partly intuitive. Um, I, I'd say, I, I know I constantly say that, but it's just like, it's just a knowledge of how your body feels in the water. You know, it's, um, it's just that extra conscious effort that you're able to make, um, just being able to kind of take that and evolve it into your stroke and just kind of have that mindset and just know, I, I think it's when people say a feel of the water, I think it's just a matter of, it's a measure of how conscious somebody is of their body when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, you know, somebody can completely ignore that they're rotating and not even know it, but then you ask somebody else and they're like, yeah, I do feel that my mm -hmm. shoulder is rotating like slightly more in the water and like maybe I should change this. So, I mean, like that was something that did start on early for me and I'm really fortunate for that because it allowed me to learn quickly in a lot of aspects when it came to bad habits and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so that's what feel the water is, at least to me. Mm -hmm. um, that makes sense. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I was top of the leaderboards. I actually... Um, I, it, this was summer team, of course, so most of the kids weren't swimming year-round either. Uh -huh. um, but, yeah, it was just it was just a matter of, like, kind of getting a foot in the door. Like, oh, man, like, how did I do? And it was just, like, more, like, improving my times rather mm -hmm. than focusing on, like, where I was in the race because I was just having fun with it back then. So when did you realize, because there's a four-year gap between when you started swimming and when you started actually, like, working out for swimming, was there a point in the middle there where you or your parents were able to realize, oh, man, this, is, this could be something? Yeah, actually. Um, so... I really struggled with myself um, from about all through elementary school when I was swimming, about like, you know, of course, nine years old to about 12 years old. And I remember that. Um, struggled with swimming, you mean? Yeah, I struggled, well, just in a lot of aspects, actually. Just not really knowing like where I was going to go. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, it was, it was pretty young back then. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of natural at that point. But, like, I didn't even know if I wanted to stick with swimming. I was doing it year-round at that point. But so you like, started doing it year-round at that point. It started to become more like a focus thing. Yeah. And, you know, I had coaches tell me, it's just like, we don't want you going into the season because you're not ready yet. Because it was, uh, it was like a long course summer season. And that's typically, um, instead of 25 yards, it's actually an Olympic-sized pool. So it's 50 meters. Okay. And that would have been my first season in long course. And I was straight up told, it was just like, yeah, we don't want we we you probably shouldn't be doing the season because you know you're not mentally ready, you're not physically ready, and it even got to the point where I was kind of being blocked out of going up into other groups because I just wasn't ready. I don't blame them because I really was not ready at that point, and it took a lot of evaluation and self reflection to just really figure out like what I was doing wrong, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I wasn't taking it as seriously as as I needed to, mm -hmm. and. Eventually, I started climbing my way up the team, climbing my way up the groups, and a lot of that had to do actually with uh, where my friends were at the time because I had a lot of uh, friends in that swimming group, and they were always in the upper echelon. There were people I looked up, for, looked up to, people I really just like tried to emulate, of course, and kind of being blocked out of that opportunity to be in the same group with them, it it hurt, and it was I I, I say it hurt, but. Uh, it just kind of, it was a little bit demotivating was what it was. And uh, I kind of took it to myself to just kind of put my head down and not really worry about that anymore and just kind of try and climb my way up the ranks. And eventually I got there. Um, that was on snow swimming before I switched to Nation's Capital. Mm -hmm. So I actually did end up making a switch at the end of when I was about 13 years old.
what was the reason behind the switch? Uh, the switch was um, the switch was I just didn't really feel like I was at where it was hard because part of it was because of just the environment. I don't have anything against the coaches. They made it a great uh, learning and swimming environment, but just the dynamic between the swimmers and the parents, um, that was a little bit of a tension, tension for uh, the team. Hmm. I mean, like, you think of, like, like, a soccer mom. Aggressive like, parents. Exactly. If you think of, like, soccer moms and then you think of swim parents, swim parents are right, a little okay. scarier <laughs> in uh, that regard. But that wasn't the main problem. Um, I ended up having all my friends around me and I was put back into the same position again where I was just like, I'm not allowed into this group and my friends are going into the higher group with the better training and like the better focus, right? And like they're getting more attention from the head coach who was just new that year. And I didn't really see myself being there anymore. It was nothing against the team. It was just a personal decision that I feel like I'd fit better and I'd feel like I'd thrive a little bit better at the other team. So I made my switch to Nation's Capital and I actually trained in a uh, place, uh, I trained at a site Claude, at Claude Moore. Okay. Um, I trained there for... Is that where snow swimming? Go they also practice there as well, They right? also practice at Claude Moore as well. But uh, before then, I actually was training at a site in Ida Lee. So with snow swimming, okay. I was training in the So was it, it wasn't the same place? Yeah, it was kind of So it wasn't that awkward? Yeah, it wasn't that awkward. Yeah. Um, so I ended up making that switch, and honestly, I feel like that was the first breakthrough point for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I started really knowing what a hard practice was, and I started really realizing that, like, races have to hurt for me to be successful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just a couple of revelations uh, about that. And just a little bit of a change of mindset later, I was actually really starting to cut time. It was a big development for me. I was starting to make meets and things I never really thought were possible. And um, I think the first real time that it really clicked with me was when I was doing lessons with a couple of coaches and they kind of just sat me down and told me, it's just like, if you keep, if you work hard and hard as you possibly can and you really keep this mindset, I, they they told me I, like I would be able to do things with my swimming, mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily like oh go to the Olympics or do like that. It was just that ability that that concept. you have a shot to have a shot exactly, and that was so foreign to me at the time that I was just like man, I really need to make this this opportunity, uh -huh. and uh, it just kept on evolving from there. It was just small steps, small steps. Um, I actually ended up, even on a different team, almost getting blocked from going to the senior group as really? I aged up because they, I, they, I guess they thought I wasn't mentally mature enough um, when it came to that stuff, which, of course, again, I don't blame them. I, I think I don't necessarily... I think of those positions, I didn't really grow to meet that point. I just had to go into that group and then adapt to mm -hmm. grow at that point. I don't know if that necessarily makes sense. I just mm -hmm. kind of no, threw that, that out that there. Does. It does. But... Um, and it was just constantly just kind of going up the tiers. I wouldn't necessarily say there was one breakthrough point where I just like, oh my gosh, this mm -hmm. this kind of happened. But it was just a bunch of small steps that culminated to one point. And I think that really that breakthrough time was when I was about the end of 14 years old. Um, I started, of course, I, w I was still tubby at the time, um, just really short. I was out of shape. Um, I ended up really slimming up and then I had a huge growth spurt. Um, yeah, I can tell you're 6'5". <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just kind of kept on growing. And, of course, you know, that was, that, was really, that was really awkward for me because, you know, growing pains, 
tripping over myself being clumsy i ended up breaking like nine bones during that like time from like 13 nine? to 15. yeah well nine from overall right, if right. I look back on it but i think i broke about five bones like from how, how do you i have never broken a bone uh yeah um so like it's just like tripping over stuff and falling yeah actually for that matter <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, a lot of times slipping a basketball court, breaking a couple of fingers, um, fracturing my wrist, um, fracturing something in my elbow, and then fracturing something in my shoulder all in the same arm. That was when I was, what was that? Oh, that was all in one fall. No, that wasn't all in one so, fall, okay, but okay. it was consecutive. Uh -huh. Um, I remember the- Just moving I, up the arm. Yeah. I fractured my, I ended up fracturing my shoulder cause I slipped on ice and landed on a- Jeez. Something in the front yard, but completely unrelated. But like, yeah, that was a weird time for me. So I was missing a little bit of time from swimming just because of, you know, the breaks and stuff like that. But each time I come back with like kind of a refresh mentality and for some reason, just that, that stance and, you know, of course me growing taller, slimming up, it really kind of culminated into this fact that I ended up, um, making uh it just kind of i just kept on dropping time and it was huge time drops to the point where i was i was starting to realize like man this is this is starting to get crazy like i never really thought i would get here and then it all kind of really peaked at the point where i made my first ncsa junior national cut um that was that was like that kind of blew my mind i was 14 years old at the time and i was just like this this is insane. Like oh, I'm tra like I'm gonna actually travel outside of the state to go mm -hmm. compete in a national meet. So that was Dublin. Uh, no, this was uh this is Florida. Okay. So this is the meet. Uh, the funny thing is, this is the meet that you would qualify in to go to Dublin. Got it. But that opportunity wasn't around at the time I went. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of going back to that. Um, as soon as I made that first cut a bunch of other events fell. Like I ended up being able to qualify in four other events, I believe. And so I kind of took that opportunity, went out freshman year. Um, I ended up uh, at my mid-season meet scoring high point. And uh, at the, uh, at the uh, NCSA meet, junior national meet, I ended up t like cutting even more time and it put me on a radar essentially. And from there, I, I just kept on go <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it, but that was just my huge, not necessarily breakout season, but it was a season where I really started thinking like, swimming's my thing. Mm -hmm. Like I, this is something I enjoy. This is something I'm, I'm able to compete at. This is something where I really feel at home and I'm able to thrive. So, yeah. Your trainer Reese tells me that you used to have issues with your weight. Like you said, you were tubby. Yeah. And that, that you basically wouldn't try with swimming, but that eventually changed, and then your work ethic became totally different. It's now one of the best he's ever seen. What caused the change? Um, like I, uh, like I said before, I think it was just a couple of revelations that really led to that. Um, the idea that I actually needed to feel pain to make that mm -hmm. uh, development in my physical aspects. Um, the fact that I needed to commit more time outside of the pool um, to just focusing on. Uh, controlling craft uh, gosh focusing working on my craft of course and just like really getting a better mindset um just being more motivated as a person and i think those setbacks actually kind of gave me more of a reason to just keep on being motivated and i think the lessons that i've learned from being with different coaches and different teams and different races and just kind of traveling around the country have evolved me to this point where i have that mindset but I don't think it was one definite point, 
besides of course that breakout year it was just a bunch of small things that really just accumulated and uh, kind of evolved my mindset and my uh, work ethic with it what do you think makes you a great swimmer um, like obviously you're six five the physical attributes are there yeah and I, I can I cannot be more fortunate for that I mm -hmm. mean I just have to like of course like I, I've been blessed with these certain like of these characteristics but I feel like a physical like just the physical tools can only take like an athlete in general so far like if somebody is born with like talent or a certain feel for a sport or the perfect build i mean there's count i bet there's countless amount of people out there that are tall enough or like you know strong enough or have the frame to be mm -hmm. able to become basketball players football players swimmers right, anything right. right um it's just that ability to take advantage of what has been given to them mm -hmm. has that uh, really kind of makes certain athletes shine um from my so for you, you're, you're gonna, are, are you gonna think? It, do you think? One second. Do you think it's your worth work ethic? Um, I, I can't really say much in the uh, in lieu of that. I mean, I do think that my the change in work ethic up to now has really made a development in how I've been able to train and how I've been able to make that kind of um, make that kind of uh, um, improvement. But I think that probably the biggest thing is just. Um, sorry, I have to think about this one. <laughs> it's uh, definitely, yeah, I just say it's the willingness to just put my mind into anything I really believe mm -hmm. in. I mean, I, it's kind of weird talking from a personal aspect because I never really think about it this way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always, it's always, you know, the team that's helped me. It's always my coaches. It's always my parents. But like, Obviously, a lot of it has to be on you, especially in a sport like swimming, where a lot of it's individual work. Yeah, it's... Your coaches and teammates can only take you so far. I mean, you have to give yourself some type of credit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess as far as that, it's just, I mean, the ability to take something and uh, that I want to learn. And it's the constant challenge of being able to try and better myself every day mm -hmm. that I think that's helped me out this far, helped me get this far. Uh, it's just that, like man like when i wake up it's just like what challenge can i achieve today like how can i get out of my comfort zone and this is something that i really haven't had until these past couple of years so it's a constant desire to get better yeah i've been asked by some of your teammates to ask you about saying the word tired on the valley high school team what's the oh story behind boy. that okay so <laughs> this all kind of happened because um I'm I'm really into that whole you know fake it till you make it kind of mentality that mm -hmm. if you really convince yourself that you're a certain thing you can actually push yourself to be that certain thing and that started for me with confidence and um, just being able to I mean take advantage of that uh, characteristic in any kind of setting I mean whether it be on the pool deck whether it be in the classroom and just being able to kind of it's almost a will aspect from that like if you will yourself to be there you can get there um, one thing that I always try and try not to convince myself is I try to convince myself is not being tired even when I am mm -hmm. so when I kind of go into challenging practices or for example at my mid-season meet this year I had a four event lineup where I had a five-minute turnaround between each event and I was constantly getting broken down it got to this point where one of my good buddies, um, he's actually on the Paralympic national team. Wow. Um, he walks up to me and he's just like, 
so what are you swimming? And I told him my lineup. I was just like, two back, one free, two IM, and uh, two back, one free, two IM, and the relay. And he's just like, you're tired, aren't you? I'm just like, no, I'm not really that tired. <laughs> and he's just like, you should scratch. You you look tired. I'm just like, no, I am not tired. And we kind of went back and forth to the point where we were kind of yelling at each other. Was he like was just like, trying to make you mad? or No, he... Was he just like messing with you? Yeah, or? he was just okay. kind of messing with me. So at this point, I'm just like, dude, I'm not tired. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so it got to the point where like I was just, it almost kind of became an inside joke on my club team. Mm-hmm. But I kind of transferred it over to my high school team because, you know, the one thing that, of course, a lot of my teammates like to do is like they like, you know, it's always okay to kind of express your feelings about like a certain set or like how you felt after a practice. Like, oh, man, I'm beaten up. I'm sore. I'm tired. But when it becomes the primary focus of the team, it can really have a toll and a detriment on the whole team mentality, the team spirit. Because, you know, you don't want to go into like one of your prime meets thinking like, oh, man, like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do good because I'm not feeling that good. So I kind of tried to transfer that mentality, and I guess it worked to a certain aspect, but I got way too into it, and uh, (laughs) now it's kind of an inside joke on the high school team as well. So, yeah, uh, tired is kind of a buzzword that we try to avoid on uh, both teams. (laughs) You're obviously, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I'd say you're one of the most decorated athletes in Atlanta County history. I'm just going to read it off here. The 2018 Washington Post Winter All-Met Swimmer of the Year Currently a five-time state champion, probably going to be like six or seven by the time this year's over. Uh, you're the VHSL 4A record holder in the 200 IM, 100 free, and then what were the two events you just? Uh, 200 free and 100 breast. Yeah, so that's four records now, and then you're committed to swim at the U- uh, at the University of Virginia. How does it feel to have all the accolades? Um, I, I feel like they're great to have because it's uh, something that's, you know, like, it's kind of a tangible representation of the work I've been able to put in like oh nice this is this is something that kind of reflects like the work and it's it's nice to have that reminder every once in a while it kind of gives you something to work towards uh, <laughs> I've got the yeah, he, he's yeah. laughing because I've got the article on <laughs> oh god the that, art- photo that photo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I advise everyone to just look up Sean Conway all met swimming and look at the photo there it's a great it's yeah. a great photo there that that how, how did how was the did they come interview you or how did that work uh, they kind of it was kind of a whole uh, setup where we drove down to DC actually went to the Washington Post headquarters and they wow. had a little studio set up for us to uh, have a little photo shoot they had an idea of mine so that was a fun time and uh, they actually ended up having us sit down just kind of go through a couple of interview questions uh, not too uh, not too different from mm-hmm. this and uh so I mean, those were more written, so I had a little more time to think about them. But uh, just in that lieu, it was just it was it was a cool experience because that was probably one of the first times I was put in an interview situation, mm-hmm. kind of put in an article situation for that matter, and it was actually really motivating. But uh, do you remember the name of the reporter you were talking to? Uh, yes, Kellen Song. Oh, okay. He's now at the Washington City Paper, so yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's really cool. I always try and stay in touch with him because he's uh, he really helped me out through that process. That's pretty cool. Uh, so you don't focus on the accolades. Um. I try not to. I mean, I I do. I mean, it's of course it's something that comes with the sport. But honestly, if you let it consume you, I mean, like the whole thing about it. Don't let don't let your highs get you too high. Mm-hmm. Don't let your lows get you too low. Um, actually, an analogy that my coach always really liked to uh, 
really like to put on us and I've kind of taken to heart is like you can be you can be the guy that scores a touchdown right and he spikes the ball does a celebration does mm-hmm. all the crazy stuff or you can be the guy who scores a touchdown hands off the ball to the ref runs back for the next rep mm-hmm. ready for the next time they're gonna go and because they know that they're gonna hit that mark again mm-hmm. in act the like you've future. been there before act like you've been there before exactly and uh, you know always be subtle with it never be that guy that's always you know you know of course like mm-hmm. let's the highest get you too high because of course there's always going to be times that maybe you didn't get the results you wanted or maybe you didn't get that certain title that you needed and you know that's eventually going to come no matter who's in that career situation so I always try to keep that in mind and I don't let the accolades really try and define who I am I always try and just let the process mm-hmm. uh, take me where I need to go Obviously, your parents have had a huge impact on your life, and they've made incredible sacrifices. Yeah. What would you like to say about them and the sacrifices they've made? Um, honestly, at this point, I can't. I just can't thank them enough. Um, it's not only been a sacrifice, but a dedication of their lives to, I mean, something that they believe in me. Um, it's the amount of work and the time and the, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into just being able to commute me around, do the research that I needed before I was able to kind of be a little more independent in the sport. Um, the way they've raised me, it's just all these things kind of come together and I wouldn't be there at all without them because it's just, I mean, not a lot. I don't think a lot of uh, parents out there, even in the swimming community, would be willing to you know drive their kid an hour each mm-hmm. way. And that's something I'm eternally grateful for because, I mean, and of course, you know, my parents have helped out and, you know, and I mentioned before, you know, my mom's the person who's driving me. She's the one looking at my nutrition. Mm -hmm. She's the one that's always giving me like, you know, the little reassertions or the, you know, reinforcing the fact that like, I need to do this, just all these kind of things, the aspects, and they've built me up as people, and you know, they've taught me lessons that have been invaluable to me in these, especially in most recent years, um, as when the you know the stakes have become higher, and you know, you know, and I'd be sitting there in winter nationals competing against Olympians, and you know, it's the same thing where my mom is talking to me. She's saying the same stuff as way back when, when I was nine years old, uh-huh. sitting there. A little like having no idea what's going on yeah and you know it's the same thing like always know that you've done your best like that kind of stuff and it really grounds me and I, I think it's very humbling to know that they've been my anchor these whole this whole time and uh, I yeah I couldn't appreciate it more your stepbrother Joe there's obviously a huge age gap between you two nine years he said that he's always been a numbers and t- statistics guy so naturally all of these things just piqued my interest and I started really getting into the numbers of swimming and he says it's going to be interesting the next couple of years as well, I will have to take a step back as he goes on to swim at UVA. But I also look forward to being a fan and going to cheer him on in competitions for the next four years. Yeah. What's the relationship between you and Joe like? Um, honestly, I mean, he, he's my brother. He's uh, He's been through it all and has taken the time out of his day to go through it with me again. And uh, I couldn't thank him enough with that. I mean, of course, you know, you think of the age gap. I think that it's about nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about, like, that first couple of years where, you know, he's in his preteens, I'm a toddler, yeah. I'm being a little twerp all the time. <laughs> and, you know, he was always he was always tolerating that. And, you know, even when he got into his teenage years, he actually went to Valley as a high schooler. Um, 
you know, I was always that little, that annoying little brother when all mm -hmm. the friends came over right, that ran right. around, got energetic. And, you know, he never was the kind of person to, like, kick me out or anything like that. And I think that played a huge part in be me becoming the person I am today. And especially as we've gotten older and, you know, that age ga the age gap and the developmental gap has, you know, a lot less of an effect, we've been really able to bond over this time and I think his involvement in my swimming has really closed that connection as well because uh, man if I do know he knows a, he, sometimes I think he knows more swimming than I do because okay. uh, he really gets involved in that and you know it's really helped me like uh, an example of that like uh, I took college I took a round robin college visit uh, trip when I was doing my own officials back in sophomore year and he was so um, engaged in that that he took it upon himself to make a spreadsheet about certain things we should like look out for and like certain things um, that we, we should really take into account and um, of course like one of my big aspirations is uh, engineering and the one thing he included when we went to uh, Indiana was like they do not have an engineering program because of course they gave it up to Purdue we didn't read that so we went to Indiana anyways. Oh. We're just like, oh man, like, do, did Joe miss that? And then we look on the sheet again and nope. we realize nope. it was there. We just <laughs> did not take the time out of our uh -huh. day to read it. So, I mean, he's so in-depth with that kind of stuff and he's just been such a supporting figure. I mean, he's had as much of an, inf he's had an influence just like my parents and just having that family that's supporting, it's just grounding to me. And I think that his involvement has really and of course, you know, he's my best friend. Like he's been there for me. He's, you know, taught me lessons about life. And of course, you know, he's old enough that he's lived through the experiences that I'm going through now. Mm -hmm. um, he has a lot of valuable information to give to me about like, you know, just high school, just dealing with life around that time. And uh, the one cool thing is he was, uh, he put in a good reputation for me uh, going into Valley because oh. he, a lot of the teachers really loved him and I think it really kind of helped pave the way for me to kind of go through my high school career as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the relationship goes, he's my brother, he's my best friend, he's a mentor. I mean, he's just all of that and I mean, he's just as much as a swimming expert as uh, anybody else out in the field. So, yeah. Next up, the rapid fire se section. I'm going to ask you five questions. Okay. You ready? Yeah. You can't think. You just got to answer first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. Favorite music artist? Ooh. Logic. All right. Best snack? Best snack? Uh, peanut butter jelly. All right. Sandwich. Pet peeve? Pet peeve? Um, ooh. Sing tired? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Do you have any nicknames? Nicknames? Conshanway. Why? I don't know. It just kind of happened <laughs> seventh grade. Somebody did that, and then I put it in my Snapchat, and then everybody asked me about it, but I don't know an origin story. It just kind of came to be. All right. Last one, best movie. Best movie? Most recent times, I'd say Whiplash. Whiplash? Yeah. All right. Uh, I've got a story here about you eating, like, over 20 plates of barbecue in one sitting. Oh, that's happened multiple times. Multiple times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that just part of the huge amount that you eat in general? Not too proud of that one, but uh, <laughs> after... <laughs> yeah, multiple times? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so, uh, after swim meets, like, we go through this whole process where I'll eat strictly protein for three days and strictly carbs for two days. And, like, so I'm really controlling my diet, especially when I roll into meets, right? And we go through this strenuous process. I'm swimming 18 times in three days or five days or however long the meat lasts. And I'm having the same 
darn thing every night mm -hmm. it's pasta then uh that's gotta get it, boring yeah and especially <laughs> i call back to summer nationals uh i actually traveled down to california with my brother and where we competed and uh, we stayed in the same room and he literally called my mom at the end of the uh we called uh mom at the end of the uh meet and he's just like i'm so sick of this kid he's ordered chicken scampi every night from <laughs> olive garden and i've had to eat pasta with him is every that, night is, i mean is that just because like you have to manage your diet in that way yeah it's also the probably the most like safest is most surefire thing because i know my body can work off of that That's for the true. next day so you know i'm kind of <laughs> i'm kind of basic when it comes mm -hmm. to that food but man uh that last night we just go all out like when i'm done with my competition and like it's almost tradition to just go out and just splurge mm -hmm. and i've had i've had meals of course like the plates of barbecue i've had finished whole pizzas i've wait wait, wait, wait. like a like a whole pizza yeah oh man okay keep yeah. going keep going um finished whole pizzas um I mean, California was a great time because we got to go all, eat all the street food out there mm -hmm, and all that right. stuff. That was that was amazing, and uh, I mean, it's just kind of come a tradition to just go out and just go ham, you uh -huh. know, with my friends or wherever we go. Like even after high school, we go to IHOP, and you know that that's a great time within itself. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a lot of food eating is a big part of my post meat uh, tradition. So you'll see me kind of go all out when it happens and uh it kind of result is you know a lot of plates of barbecue or yeah. whatever that is last question because i know you gotta run what was it like meeting katie ledecky oh katie ledecky that was awesome uh the first time i met her was actually at that mid-season meet we were talking about earlier and cap invite that one in maryland yeah okay the one uh it used to be called tom dolan invitational i don't know why they changed the name but uh the big thing about that is she'd come back every year and of course she's at stanford now so she can't mm. really do that that often and she's training with pro she went pro but uh back then we're on the same team she was at a different site she was training at georgetown prep which is you know of course in the georgetown area and she competed at the meet and the first impression I got of her was that even if she was getting ready for inner zone, getting ready to break the American record or whatever that, if a kid walked up to her, she'd take the time out of her day to sign something or take a picture. She was always that kind of person that was just like carefree and she she put everybody she put everybody else in front of herself and that really selfless attitude it left an impression on me. Um, she was super outgoing, um, super chill, and I mean the kind of person that you wouldn't really expect to be like that intensive an athlete until you see her behind the blocks and you see how focused mm -hmm. she gets um when she stands up on the blocks and she's ready to go you can tell like this is it she's going to break a world record and she's done that like, yeah i watched her break an american record and that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen That's and uh funny story about that one uh some kid actually threw up in the pool like five minutes before she had to swim so they're filtering it out and she's just sitting there staring at the water like oh, i gotta man. go in that now <laughs> yeah did it anyways stood up broke an american record and that solidified that meet as like one of the most memorable for me but uh yeah she's a very stand-up person um one of the most deserved uh to go pro and really get into that scenario and i couldn't be happier for where she's at right now because uh she's probably one of the most deserving yeah all right, thank you so much, Sean. Good luck at UVA and to whatever comes up. I hope to see you in the Olympics sometime soon. And uh, thank you for doing this. This was great. Oh, thank you so much as well.
The Technical Foul Podcast is brought to you by the Loco Sports Podcast Network. Check out Loco Sports to get all the scores, stories, and information on all the high school teams in Loudoun County. As always, thank you to Neha Rajiv, the producer of this podcast, and thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Technical Foul wherever you listen to podcasts, and hit me up with a follow on Twitter at Shankar. That's all for this episode. I'll see you next time.